Today on Give First, we have Courtney McRae of Recast Capital. Ever wonder how LPs, people that invest money in venture capital firms, pick managers, especially new ones? Courtney's going to tell us how. She's going to give you some tips as entrepreneurs for thinking about whether or not you should work with an emerging manager. That's up next on Give First. Hi, everyone. This is David Cohen, and I'm here with my amazing co-host, Brad Feld. Hey, Brad, and this is the Give First podcast. And in the startup world, Give First means simply trying to help anyone, especially entrepreneurs, without any expectation of getting anything back. So we'll be talking to mentors and founders about what Give First looks like in action and how it makes great entrepreneurship possible. We polled everyone and they said consistently that their favorite part of the show was the legal mumbo jumbo. So here it is. The following discussion is an expression of personal opinion and does not represent the opinion of Techstars or any company we discuss. Our conversations for informational purposes only, including any mention of securities or funds. This is not legal business investment or tax advice and is not intended for use by any investor. Certain of Techstars funds own or may own in the future securities in some of the companies discussed in this podcast. Got it? Hey, everybody. Today on the podcast, I'm super psyched to have Courtney McRae. She's the co-founder and managing partner at Recast Capital, which is a 100% women-owned venture capital platform. It invests in a diverse network of top-tier emerging fund managers. They build a platform that can drive exceptional returns by empowering managers they fund with a focus on creating a path towards greater diversity in the industry. Courtney, thanks so much for joining us on the Give First podcast today. How are you doing? I'm doing well. Thanks for having me, David. I want to get quickly into your background so that some people in our network and our world around tech stars who don't know you have some familiarity with you personally. So tell us a little bit about you leading up to Recast, and then we'll get into that. Sure. So it's kind of basic. I've spent my entire professional career in the private equity industry. First half of my career was on the direct investing in companies side. I was a Kauffman Fellow, and with that, ended up joining a growth equity fund that was uh, based here in San Francisco, which brought me out here. I was there for seven years, started as a principal and a Kauffman Fellow, and then promoted to general partner. Pretty soon after that, I made the migration over to the limited partner side. Most relevantly, for 10 years, I was one of three investment managing directors at a boutique venture capital fund of funds called WeatherGage. And at WeatherGage, we invested with brand name venture funds that everyone's familiar with on Sand Hill Road and in other locations. But we always were a student of the industry and we were always looking for those managers that we thought could produce venture capital returns. Early in my time at WeatherGage, we made some tough decisions to abandon some brand name venture relationships and to make room for this next generation of managers. They were emerging managers, and not all of them knocked the ball out of the park, but many of them did. And so that's really what led me up to recast. So when it came time to raise Weather Gauge Fund 5, after being there for 10 years and investing in exactly 100 funds along with my partners, you know, there just wasn't going to be a Fund 5. And so with my partner's blessings, I put my head up and started to reconnect with folks in my network. And that's where I found my now partner, Sarah, who I'd known from the circuit for some time. We launched Recast Capital a couple of years ago. And so the rest is history. I want to get into Recast, but there's a couple of things. A lot of people are one and done. You were a hundred and done. That's amazing. It, it, it's a real <laughs> choice to be a hundred 
investments in in a firm and, and decide, you know what, I'm going to change direction. Because at that point, you have an established process, established firm. Investors are probably expecting you to do an X fund. And it, it takes some real guts to sort of switch gears like that, doesn't it? Switch gears and focus. You know, it really educated me on the fact that investors saw that emerging managers in venture were putting up great numbers if you picked them properly. But at the end of the day, you know, just so hard for some of these big institutional investors to invest in emerging managers because their check sizes are so big or their processes are, are so long. So as a result, I decided to launch Recast. And Recast today, as I understand, is really focused on not only investing in these emerging managers, and, and many of them are, are diverse, you're hunting for that actively, but also in educating them, giving them a peer network. So talk to us about what was that inspiration? You had been through Kaufman, you'd, you'd had the experience of investing in funds. How'd you put those two things together? and Why'd you decide to launch it? And, and what's it all about? When you are investing in venture capital funds, you say no a lot more than you say yes. And yet you're trying to be helpful to all these managers that come through. And so we really saw an opportunity for an educational platform to exist. And the idea is that we bring in our friends from the GP and the LP community to talk about hot button issues about fundraising broadly. And, you know, certainly there's a lot that's gleaned from the actual presentations that take place. But to your point, one of the things that's been really valuable to this community is the peer network. So we do our educational program twice a year, cohort-based, 12 to 15 funds go through it. We do it all on Zoom. It will stay on Zoom because we want it to be as inclusive as possible. And the community really values the peer network, getting to hear other emerging managers present getting to get feedback from their peers and being able to talk about their experiences in fundraising and maybe some of the challenges they've run up against or some of the biases that they've run up against and try and get feedback from the community. And I think that network has been really valuable to them. So Courtney, one of the things I wanted to try to understand is with Recast and your enablement program, which is essentially teaching would-be or new emerging managers this industry and giving them that peer network. It doesn't seem like you created that because you were necessarily looking for investments. You were just trying to change the landscape and who has access and opportunities to learn. Really was created as a learning opportunity, is that right? It was uh, meant to give back to the community, but it also was a way for us to open the top of the funnel for recast. Because we both come from institutional LP shops, we were connected with the normal LP community and you know spin-outs from established firms. We wanted to really open the aperture and have more managers that we might not have met through our normal course of business. It sounds like it wasn't really like the business model. The business model was you had this fund-to-fund capital and you could invest it in. I mean, you had a lot of relationships with a lot of well-known and even established managers. So in a way, it's sort of like you're just giving to the community to try to make the ecosystem better over time. And out of that, I guess, come some opportunities. Yes. I mean, it really was all about giving back to the community. And people asked us, do you take a piece of their management company? Do you take a piece of their GP? Do you charge them something for this? And, and we said, no, we're trying to help these emerging managers, these new entrants into the industry to learn this business. It was all about giving back and giving first. And, you know, it's been interesting, though, while we expected nothing in return other than, you know, maybe we would find an investment out of there. 
we actually have found that it's come back to us in surprising ways. We've had managers that have made introductions to potential investors for us. We've had managers that have amplified our voice on Twitter, on LinkedIn, at conferences. It has given back to us in ways that I could never have dreamed of. And yet it's so much more powerful than what we set it out to be. Very proud of what we've done with the educational program and and what it's created. Awesome. Yeah, funny how that works, isn't it? It is. Preaching to the choir, big believers in that network effect and peers helping each other. And I mean, when you have something like what you're doing or or like what we're doing at Techstars and you look back 10, 15 years later and you have such a wide breadth of experience, it's just a powerful weapon for people to be able to learn from each other in that context. So how do you facilitate that after the initial courses that you're on Zoom? Does that last throughout the career or is it really a focused, concentrated period of time? So the way we normally do our educational sessions, it's Thursday morning for two hours. It normally starts with a guest speaker who we normally will do a fireside chat with them for about half an hour, maybe 40 minutes. Then we open it up to Q&A for the next 20 minutes. And then we thank our guest speaker. And then we just with our group, see if there are any questions that have come out of that discussion, any topics they want to discuss, and then we open it up. Has anybody had any real achievements, anything they want to celebrate, any obstacles, anything that they would like to have the group weigh in on? And that conversation ends up being extremely fluid, and a lot of things come out of that. And then gradually, the community gets to know each other better and better as the weeks go by. And then when it does end, we do what everyone does. We've got Slack channels for each class and then a Slack channel for everyone. And then we do attempt to do in-person events whenever we can, when Sarah and I are in the same town, so people can actually get to meet each other in different venues. Sounds a little bit like Techstars or whatever those other accelerator brands are, but for (laughs) emerging managers. That's super cool. I imagine a lot of entrepreneurs listening here I'm sure there's some emerging managers that are listening. They're like, wow, this is an interesting opportunity. And it certainly is. But let's turn it around because for the entrepreneur listening, what are some of the lessons you've learned, maybe investing in those other managers that are really relevant to early stage entrepreneurs, maybe considering taking some money from an emerging manager or a first time manager? They might be a little worried about, does this person have that much experience? Is it an advantage, disadvantage? Is it a balance? Or how would you advise entrepreneurs to sort of think about taking money from early career managers? I think that, again, it really depends on the emerging manager themselves and what the entrepreneur needs or values in the next steps of their company building. What we have found, or I found over my you know 12 years of investing in venture funds, is that If you take a seed stage investment from a very large brand name venture fund, you're unlikely to get very much of their time. It's just relative to the size of their fund and what they're really trying to accomplish. It's hard for them to be giving you a lot of their time. When it comes to emerging managers at the pre-seed and the seed stage, they come with very specific ways that they believe they can help you. Some say, I'm not going to help you. I just want to get into your cap table and I I will let you run your business. But most have something they bring to the table, networks, helping you with recruiting, helping you with sales, understanding your sales pipeline, something. And to the extent that you're in the earliest stages of your development of your business, I would think that I would be looking for partners that could help accelerate the growth of my business. And often those are emerging managers in venture. Yeah. One of the things we often coach companies that we work with around is just looking for 
investors that have some network or direct experiences in the area that you're you're in. And you're right. I mean, so many managers have raised funds in the last five, 10 years. I personally have invested in a bunch of these funds. A lot of Techstars managing directors, of course, go on to raise funds like Math Venture Partners or The Fund, Jenny Fielding, who you know, many others. And they all come with sets of experiences and connections that can be really, really helpful. So I always love to try to make room for newer managers because they are also very motivated to make that fund work. They've got to make that first debut fund work. They're really hustling. They don't have a portfolio of a bunch of companies from the last fund to worry about, right? So there's a lot of advantages to it. But I think the other point you made is really good, which is if you're taking money from a large established venture brand for a half million or million dollar round, that's really just a marker for the next round for a lot of those funds, right? And they don't really have time or the infrastructure to really spend time on you. That's a generalization, of course, but I think that's great advice. So investing in managers, what are you looking for? I know diversity is a huge element of, of what you're focused on, but what jumps out of you as a person that makes a good manager from your experience? When it's all you do is look at venture capital funds and then you narrow it down to just looking at emerging managers, what you find is that to a large degree, there's a sea of sameness. And so we have a saying that when you see contrarian, it kind of hits you over the head. And then you have to spend time and diligence to figure out if it's contrarian good or contrarian bad. But ultimately, we are looking for really three categories of managers that we think are well positioned to potentially outperform. One is rock star operator turned angel investor. Maybe it's a largely unrealized portfolio, but you've got some indication that they're a good picker of companies and they can add very specific value to portfolio companies. And that can be validated through reference checks. Another archetype is somebody who spins out of a existing venture fund where they had certain expertise. Maybe they had a checkbook. Maybe they were the number two who had the checkbook. And they have some kind of a spin-out track record of some sort. And then the third, because we're investing in institutional funds one, two, or three, by the time you get to a fund two or a fund three, there is a little bit less risk associated with those than with the fund ones. But the reason for our focus on diverse managers is we believe the data. Venture capital is a very competitive industry. And to the extent that you have different live life experiences, networks and points of view, you're going to see opportunities where others don't see it or you're going to fish where other people aren't fishing. And so we believe that'll produce superior returns. And we see that with our own investing in portfolio companies. And it's super interesting, right? Because the diversity of the founding team doesn't just mean, hey, they're all homogenous from one group that's underestimated. It's actually the mix of people, right, that I find that is so powerful. And do you think the same way with emerging managers where, let's say, you're investing in a fund like your own, which is 100% woman-owned venture you know, capital industry fund. Do you like that it's all women or do you actually think about it as, well, it'd be nice to have a mix of, of different backgrounds and experiences? No, we believe firmly in diversity of thought. And so Sarah and I are both two Caucasian women. As we expand our firm, it is definitely our intention to create diversity within our own partnership. And we look at the underlying funds that we invest in and also think that they would benefit from having. And it's not just diversity by gender or diversity by ethnicity, but it's also diversity of backgrounds and experiences. I just think that having different points of view at a table makes for better decision making. 
And Courtney, one of the things I always wonder about when I invest in a venture firm personally, I've, I've done a little bit of that. They're typically like two or maybe three people. They're small firms, whereas a startup would have a board of directors. It would have an executive team. It would be dozens of people at a minimum and eventually hundreds or thousands of people. And when you talk about having that sort of diversity, when it comes to a venture fund, you often don't have that many people involved. Do you find that that matters or, or how do you think about sort of same, same inside a venture fund itself when it's small? You cannot get the same degree of diversity within a venture fund because these are often, to your point, two to three individuals. The diversity has to be at that level because that's the level where you're making decisions and where you're adding value to portfolio companies. Certainly, it's a different level of diversity than if you're a CEO of a company that ends up becoming quite large and having a number of employees. Those firms can surround themselves with people with different experiences too, right? So sometimes you see them building industry advisory boards or things like that. So for the entrepreneurs listening, hopefully they have their choice of investors and lots of people coming in to fund it. But for a lot of them, right, it's going to be a single fund or a single term sheet that comes in. When a manager is new, how do you think that they ought to go about doing due diligence on those managers when they can't talk to that many past portfolio companies? You do the same kind of due diligence. So I feel like you could help our portfolio companies think through how they would do it on someone without a track record or without clear evidence that they built a great venture firm so far. I would definitely recommend doing references. And I think that the emerging manager can give you references that give you confidence that they can add value, that they're a good partner, that they're ethical. There's got to be some evidence that they have in their career or in their background. They can give an entrepreneur the confidence that they have the right partner. It could be their investors in their fund. It could be companies that they have advised along the way or helped along the way. There's got to be references that you can do, as well as just spending time with the venture capitalist, getting to know them, getting to understand how they think and how they think they're going to add value and whether or not they're a good partner for you and your business. Is it fair game for an entrepreneur who's wondering about a new manager to call an LP and say, why did you invest? What due diligence did you do? Would you take a call like that? Uh, you know, it's interesting. I would take a call like that, but I would, I've never gotten a call like that, but I would take it. But I would always be biased because I've already invested with this general partner and I want you to work with them if you're a top entrepreneur. That's a great point. I mean, I, you know, hey, we're just trying to come up with new ideas for our portfolio to like do the work they have to do. And I would take it too. And I would say the same thing. Obviously, I invested, so I think they're great. But, you know, I think those are good things to try to do when you're trying to track down information because you have this one offer, you really don't know this person, right, that well. Spend more time with them is the answer we try to give them. Do some working sessions. Yeah, people have personal backgrounds and networks and talk to them about, you know, are they high quality, ethical, all the kind of things you'd be looking for. With Recast, how many funds have you now supported in total? So in our educational program, we have done five cohorts. So it's 52 funds and 82% of them have had at least one person who identifies as female and 56% have had at least one person of color. So we feel very proud of those statistics. And we have open applications right now for our next class, which is starting this September. I'm going to ask you to list off a few that people might know of the funds that are out there that you've worked with so far, because if anyone listening wants to be the next one of those, right, they could come to you to learn how to do that and possibly get connected to capital as well. Who are some of the funds that you've worked with so far? 
So some of the larger, more established firms are Decode Capital, Avenue Growth. We have worked with Lolita Tab at the Community Fund. We have worked with Gail from Vitalize. And there are a number of others through our newsletter. If you go on our website and you sign up for our newsletter, we showcase and highlight managers that have gone through our program and we try to shine a light on why we think they're special managers and to give them a little bit more airtime, if you will, out in the ether. Awesome, Courtney. Well, Lolita was on episode 49 here. If anyone wants to go back and hit rewind and check out uh, that episode of Give First, and she is an amazing uh, human and doing amazing things in the broader community and network. Thanks for helping and supporting so many emerging managers and sharing your experiences with the Techstars community. And if people are interested in the work of getting into venture eventually or learning about the managers you are already working with, they can check it out at Recast Capital. Thanks, Courtney. Thank you. Thanks a lot for listening to the show today. We'd love to hear your feedback, ideas, or who you'd like to hear next on Give First. And please leave a rating and review, ideally a good one, and reach out anytime to podcasts at techstars.com or on Twitter, I'm at David Cohen. See you next time. Don't forget, Give First.